Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a more than just podcast production. What kind of camera you got? It looks amazing. That is actually my iPhone 12 mini going through a uh, camo studio. I don't know if you ever, uh, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an app that basically lets you turn your iPhone or iPad camera into your webcam. Wow. Which is like a oh, thousand, it's that like out. a thousand times better than any webcam out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I've noticed that uh, like a lot of, a lot of people are doing YouTube stuff or using like 4k um, mm-hmm. video. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, uh, I have a Logitech 4K that's pretty good, but I find this yeah. camera is even better. So yeah, and I'm, I've got like a plethora of uh, iPhones around here anyway. Like I've got some for work that do nothing. I use I use one to record on my 3D printer when I'm printing something, do time lapse and that kind of stuff. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of More Than Just Code Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Joe Shapilinski in, in Denver? Uh, Boulder, actually, Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's going to be my first question is, is how did you end up in Colorado? Because you've been, last time we were talking, we were you were in New York, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's a, been an interesting journey. We actually moved... The day of the first case of COVID uh, in New York uh, is when I got on my plane to come here to Boulder and they shut down the whole city of Boulder like five days later. So it's been a crazy adventure in a new city without being able to get out a whole lot for the big, uh, for the most part, for the first year or so of it. And then with the vaccine and everything, it's been a little better. Um, but yeah, I just came out here. Uh, my significant other had a job opportunity and I had been coming out to Denver for 360i dev where we've seen each other several times in person. Uh, and so I knew the area pretty well. And so when she had an opportunity to have a job uh, offer in Boulder, I thought, sure. Uh, I'd been there once before, just just once to the city here, um, just on a separate trip. Uh, so, But I, I knew the area well enough. I knew I knew some other iOS developers. I wouldn't be completely alone out here. Uh, and I thought it'd be a cool idea. And it worked out really well. Cool. Yeah. And I guess uh, you're a skiers as well. No, oddly enough, uh, I do not ski or snowboard. Uh, I'm a little, a little afraid of that. I did it once. I went up to Whistler uh, one time and uh, enjoyed myself, had a lesson, kind of learned it and thought to myself, okay, this is kind of nice. I get it, but I don't want to die. So (laughs) (laughs) I just uh, don't quite trust myself with balancing type sports. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd skied in high school and then, um, I moved to Vancouver for eight months, and my wife said to me, until you have benefits and coverage, you're not going skiing. So, <laughs> so I, I never even made it out to Whistler the entire time I was there, sadly enough, right? So yeah, It's a oh, beautiful well. place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't ski anymore, so that's that's another story. Um, all right. And um, yeah, I guess so Mark Boulder is where Mark and Mindy were. That was the home of that show, right? I think. That is right. Yeah. 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 Cool. Kind of makes me want to go back and check out the series and watch it again with that perspective. But yeah, I haven't watched this since it was on TV like back in this. What was it, late seventies, early eighties? You know, it's funny. I, I should I tell you first of all too. This is this is a, a, a not officially, but officially your fifth time on more than just code. So oh, wow. Jaime's going to prepare you a nice little velour jacket with a five on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
I didn't realize it had been that many times. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had I thought about it too. Like I think because um, we did we I think we've done two at 360i Dev, right? Mm-hmm. And that sounds uh, right. Where else did we do the third one? Hmm. Maybe in NS North one year or yeah, I can't remember. Not in NS North. No. Let me let me just uh, log into my. Oh, uh, on the streets of on the streets of San Jose. I think oh, right. Yeah, the street ones. episode. Yeah. yeah. Like I talked to you after yeah. after the show. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was a good one. Yeah. yeah, it was a good it was a good episode. I mean, like, you know, I, I was kind of hedging my bets because I didn't know whether we would be able to record get into the podcast studio. We had booked it. I went every day. Like I went Monday, tried to get in. No, mm-hmm. no, nobody's around. I can answer your question. Tuesday, no, nobody's around. and then Wednesday I went just after Randy Richie was there actually. And uh and I said, you know, can I and they said, Oh, this earliest day is like thursday so so we booked it and then you know the the four of us went in and recorded but so i you know tuesday night was uh live near wwdc so i i had already brought a road mic mm-hmm. and i basically every time i saw somebody that i knew i'd say hey you want to be on the podcast for a second <laughs> everybody said yeah surprisingly well you know not surprisingly knowing our community right Exactly. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I remember you just kind of yeah, costing me outside of uh, whatever the name of that place was, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the place either. Never remember the name of that. Yeah, but yeah, that's good stuff. It was near WWDC. That's all that matters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was during the week. Yeah, yeah. For but, sure. uh, yeah, I never actually went to the podcast studio, so I never, I never really saw what that looked like. So it was a good. It, you know, there. you you think it's like some big highfalutin thing, but it was literally the end of a hallway. <laughs> And there was like a wall, and then right. um, behind the wall was the actual studio itself. There was a picture on our art. If you look at the art, the art for that show, okay, um, basically a table with four, you know, Sure SMB seven fives mics, and and uh, a lady doing something right into Logic Pro. So they gave me like a Logic Pro file with the with the audio all built in and on a couple of USB sticks, and there I just go. went and edited them. Right, so it was super super simple, but yeah. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, I, but I, I don't know why I imagined it would be some sort of, you know, <laughs> soundproofy kind of, you know, <laughs> like you've got baffles behind you. Is that, are those, is that what those are? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Just to make this room sound a little bit better, a little less echoey. I added a few on both sides and then I have a curtain on the wall with the window. Yeah. That helped. I tend to think that helps quite a bit. Although I'm getting probably tons of reflections off this monitor in front of me anyway. <laughs> yeah. But is, is that the, uh, that the, uh, where this, the secret sauce is made for release notes? Yeah. This is uh, was where I generally record when I'm not traveling or doing some other, then I have a separate little travel rig for that, but yeah. This oh, you is do, the, you do. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. Always, always curious about like, we, I think we talked once about how you, how you managed to edit your, your audio. Cause you and I think you had a separate channel for Charles and yourself. Yeah. I, I have a guest. Yeah, I have an IOO, uh, an in-out box that lets me record separate channels like coming in from different machines. And I, I used to be more complex. It used to uh, involve a Mac Mini that I ran Charles through and things like that. But then I discovered Audio Hijack, and that really helps <laughs> to oh, be able yeah. to just route different audio to different channels. And so I can record uh, him separately. But I do have him record his track now because I find no matter how good you're you know, Zoom, Skype, whatever it is you're recording over, yeah. uh, the audio, audio is never quite as good as just yeah. coming right off the mic, right? So True. I'll have him record. Then I just used my recording of him as a reference track to line up. Um, and now I'm doing all my editing actually on Ferrite on the iPad, which is great. I recently switched over to that finally. On which app? Uh, it's called Ferrite. Oh, uh, Ferrite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, here's a question I have about Ferrite. I, I tried it once for one episode, but I found the audio levels really low. Yes. Yeah. I find I had to, I had to kind of boost them a little bit. So I kind of process the audio first before I send it over to the iPad. I run it quickly through uh, isotopes tools and it lets you do a few things like getting the, the levels a little more uh, even uh, doing things like a little bit of reverb removal, you know, cause there's a little bit of an echo coming out of uh, Charles's room and mine here even um, and other things like that, like removing breath and other kinds of artifacts. And then I send that to the iPad and I do all the editing there with the Apple pencil. And that's, that's the part I really like about it. The only thing missing from Ferrite in my mind is that it only does one X speed for editing. And I really miss yeah. that from, from logic being able to just go twice as fast. And cause I know, I know our voices, I know our patterns well enough yeah. to where I can, and you see, can, the you can see the ums and the whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the pattern. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. like for me though, I mean, I, I did, I watched Jason Snell's video on how to use ferrite and maybe mm-hmm. I'll link it in the show here, but uh, on how to use 
to, to do editing. And I really liked his style of, you know, you get rid of all the empty space and then you pull everything forward, that kind of stuff manually. And, and it, I did like it, well, I did find it super, super easy to, to edit and ferrite. Just the levels were just too bet too much for me. But mm-hmm. I mean, cause what I do on, on, I'm sorry, folks who don't care about podcasting, but um, <laughs> what I do uh, is is we get the separate tracks. You know, I sync them up, and then um, I do a I do a first pass, and I look for things that are wrong, EQ everybody, balance everybody out, um, and then I go through and I do I do some editing. Like you know, if we start talking about things we shouldn't be talking about, I'll just go and blank out that whole section mm-hmm. and then um but you know i'll go through and look for lip smacks and and uh and ums some of the ums i don't i'm not crazy about them but you know take the ones and if somebody like we have a, a thing on our show if you say something wrong just say i'm going to say that again and then you know unlike tammy i will remove that <laughs> <laughs> tammy likes it when i mess up so she always leaves it in the show just right? leave, yeah yeah that's the beauty of being in the editor. You have the power to leave things, embarrassing yeah. things in there. Well, that's why like. the last three episodes of, of uh, the podcast we're doing together, I, I, I asked if I could edit them. <laughs> 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 so, you know, revenge is the best meal, best served cold, right? There you go. But uh, yeah, anyway, so, so I, I, but I'm, I, I learned the audio production on tape, right? So for me, um, so I'm kind of like doing the, the, you know, the, the old, you know, cut it with a razor and splice mm-hmm. it together, kind of editing on the first pass. And then I bounce it down to a master, like, so that I don't have all three tracks. I don't know if you do that. And then I go back in with that one master. That's when I put in this, the, the, the music at the beginning and, and the voiceovers for the outros and stuff like that. Right. But mm-hmm. so I'm now, now dealing with one. And like you though, I, I do the same thing. I set it up once I'm happy with how things sound. I flip it onto twice as fast and just whip through it. And that still takes like, you know, like we sometimes talk for two or three hours. Yeah. You know, unlike you guys, you guys think you're hard, like 30 minutes or something like that. Right. Yeah, pretty much. If we go too far beyond 30 minutes, uh, I mean, I think our longest episode was like 40 minutes or something or 42 or three at most. But usually if we're getting to that territory, then we think about like, okay, can we make an hour out of this? And then we'll split it into two weeks. (laughs) I I think our shortest episode is around 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we try to keep it that way. And usually when we're interviewing someone, it'll end up being two episodes because we end up talking with the guests quite a bit but um yeah that's always decided after the fact like i'll say okay we have an hour's worth of material i'll split it where it makes logical sense to cut it yeah sure uh and we'll record the extra intro and outro for that um yeah yeah but it's 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 very interesting i don't i don't bounce down i keep uh, the audio on its or this you know music track on its own separate track and i kind of have that in a logic template originally and now i have it in a in a ferrite template um so they're just kind of sitting there and then i can just move them to where they need to be depending on the length of the audio but yeah i don't mix down until it's done like done done um so you do I, like one iteration of like both both of you on or two of you or three of you on a track on the whole thing and then you just bounce from you do the final mp3 from there uh, yeah, well, uh, usually I go out to AIFF and then I'll run uh, something like Forecast or something like that yeah, to I turn it into an MP3. Uh, actually, I think with Ferrite now, I'm just using it's. It sounds pretty good. It's MP3 uh, exports. So I think I'm using that directly. But then I still run it through like a tag editor, so I can add all the you know artwork and different things of that nature. You, you go, I'll do a lot more work with with the chapter markers and things like that. I don't bother with that generally speaking. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just... on Spotcast, I only do like a few of them, like just to mark spoilers because we talk a lot. Yeah. We do a lot of movie spoilers and stuff like that, right? So I want to yeah. basically give people a heads up, right? And then um, if I can remember get, to get the guys to tell me they're going to go into spoiler territory, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with with yeah, with with our with when we do when we do more than just code, we're you know, especially if we're doing like we're going to do the event, obviously. Maybe you and I'll talk about the event a bit today too. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we do an event, you know, I you normally break it down. I try to put as many chapter markers as I can, right? Because you know, we've had a few. A few of our more loyal fans have, have been chomping at the bit for us to even add chapters to begin with and then then it makes sense once you get into it you know yeah i think for a longer show especially because there might be a whole section where it's like well i don't care about the apple watch and they're talking about it for 25 yeah. minutes <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah uh, well i'm hoping that people use the chapters to like if they they want to go back and re-listen to something we might have said they can they can dive back in so that's true yeah it's yeah. easier to find sections that you were referring to it's true and if I've gone, if I had to go back and remix a show that didn't have chapters, I've been putting chapters in them too, right? So because now that I've got, it's now a routine. I mean, so for me, like you know, one night I'll I'll do the the, the first pass, and then I'll 
take a break and go work or whatever and do something different. And then the next day I'll go in and do the, the second edit, the final edit. Right. Mm. So, so usually by Saturday morning, I've got, you know, something in the can that I can publish, you know, either Friday, late, late Friday, or early Saturday morning kind of thing. Right. And then depending on, you know, what my honeydew list looks like mm-hmm. <laughs> on the weekend, <laughs> you may or may not get an episode. Right. Right. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, speaking of release notes. So, so I think uh, the caption on release notes is, you know, talk about, we both, both shows talk about the business of, of app development. We talk about it more from a developer's perspective, but, mm-hmm. but I'm always sort of like the reason it's more than just code is because there's more than just writing code. But um, you you guys talk about the business of app development and all that kind of stuff, everything but the code you say, right? right? So now's your chance to talk about the code, Joe. (laughs) Go. (laughs) There's a reason we don't talk about code on the show. (laughs) I never feel as confident talking about code as I do talking about other topics. That's Um, why I have Mark and Jaime on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they get pretty deep sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, well... Yeah. But it's cool. That, yeah, that, that gives you that flexibility. The more than just code means you you can also talk about code when you want to. Every time we start getting into code, like we either have to stop ourselves and say, "Oh yeah, that's a little code," or or we'll hear it from from one of the audience members, like, "Hey, really? that was a little." Yeah, a couple of people are like, "Hey, that, that, they're just making fun." They they don't actually complain, but it's pretty funny. Like, "Hey, you actually got a little technical there, considering you're supposed to be everything but the code." Yeah, um, one of our one of our fans called it. Uh, she said it's more than more than just code, and sometimes code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it really is just code. <laughs> it's just code, yes. But or yeah, I don't. I misquoted her, but anyway, um, yep. yeah. So yeah, so so tell us about release notes. You're like we're in our seventh year, so you guys must be like eight, I guess, right? Somewhere around there, yeah. It'll be, I guess, May is our anniversary i think every year but you know uh, we've done the, the, our big milestone is that we've done every uh, every monday we've had an episode so we've never missed a monday so we're at four something right now so like a fresh episode every monday no repeats like us yeah yeah no repeats no like greatest hits uh, we've always had an episode every monday um and like let me look let me look real quick yeah the latest one is 435 so what whatever divided by 52 that is that's how long we've been doing it so it makes it pretty easy for us to to uh you know be reliable in that way like with the two of us just kind of check each other on that and it's like it's become it's one of those things it's like my stand goal on the watch now i can't not do it because i'm i'm so far in now like if we missed a monday within the first year it would have been much easier to just drop another monday but now it's sort of like can't let it happen <laughs> so that's that's the sort of uh you know geek that i am that i have to i have to file follow patterns like that um so yeah we've never missed missed a week which is pretty crazy all this time now we sometimes record two episodes because we know one of us will be away the following week or things like that and i think we've gone as far as banking two or three uh, a few times for longer trips but sometimes we'll just record on the road if it's if it's like i'm at a conference you know or charles is at a conference then it's like well that'll make for good episode fodder so yeah just bring your microphone um, we'll figure it out and cool. so that's yeah it's worked out pretty well over the years but yeah it can get it can be pretty tedious when you're uh, trying to hit that goal uh, and trying to make sure you always hit it. You can't really have that option. Like we you generally record on Thursdays and then the episode will go out Monday. So I have a few days there of editing and Charles does the actual publishing. So oh, keeps, cool. keeps yeah. us on our toes. Yeah. So I try to get him a, an episode by Sunday night, no matter what. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. It's, and so 2014 is when you started or 2013. It, or? That sounds right. Yeah. 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 So what was the genesis of, of you just met at the conference and, yeah, we met at 360 iDev and uh, it, we didn't actually end up talking. Like we met, we were chatting, we went to a dinner together and uh, it wasn't until several months later that we actually, uh, he he wrote to me out of the blue and said, did you ever consider doing a podcast? And I was like, mm, yeah, kind of, but I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. And then we started bouncing ideas back and forth and that's where we came up with the idea. Well, there are lots of people talking about app development. Um, you know, what else could we do? And that's when we thought, well, we're both sort of indie app makers trying to make a business. What if we talked about the money side of things and the business type stuff and the marketing, which neither of us were super comfortable with, but we thought, okay, it'll help us learn if we have to <laughs> come up with topics. And we honestly thought we had like 20, 30 episodes in us at most. And here we are at 435. So, you know, things happen. Yeah. I mean, like I often tell the story, like about three or four episodes in, I realized what have I, what have I bitten off here you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we've we've been pretty consistent about trying to get uh, this this year's been been an exception but we've been pretty good about getting an episode out every year every week at least something and that's why i started doing these these episodes is be, buy me some time you know right. <laughs> um, 
But uh, I was going to say, like, you know, so, but I often quote Charles's, uh, Charles's talk. I don't know if you remember at NS North in Ottawa. Um, he talked about the, it was the beginning of the indie apocalypse. And he had that chart on the wall, like a big circle and a little red, a big blue circle and a little red, tiny red dot. And the tiny red dot were the developers that were actually making money developing apps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that was a wake up call for me, yeah. Yeah, and it was, turned out to be very prophetic. I mean, he was right on the money there, and it's, it's still that way. Um, yeah. handful, handful of developers, really, that are making most of the money still. To, you know, And most of those are now large companies. There's a handful, very, very, very tiny little handful of indies that are actually making their living, um, You know, depending on how you define living. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how that market shifted over time. It's kind of the natural progression, but in a lot of ways, you didn't, like, it didn't feel like it was going to be that way back then when he was talking about that. Still well, how like long that. have you been in Colorado now? Uh, I've been here for a year and a half, right? Almost two so years. How ago. do you find the cost of living difference between New York City? You were in Manhattan before? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because cost of living is all relative, I guess. Like in New York, I was able to live probably, I'm probably spending about the same amount that I'm spending. I was spending in New York. The difference is that I'm living a much better lifestyle than I was before. Uh, I'm not dealing with, you know, typical New York problems. I can own a car for instance, and afford to park it. <laughs> you know, the, these kinds of things that, are, you know, I, I have a, you know, apartment complex here that has eh, probably four times the square footage is what I had in New York. And um, so things of that nature, it just, it's, it's just much more comfortable living here. And the, the pace of this entire place is just so much more to my liking. Uh, I mean, I grew up in big cities. I've always lived in cities, but, um, and I never thought like I could live in a smallish town, you know, hundred thousand people or so, but it's worked out pretty well so far. I've actually, I have to admit as I get older, that this feels a little better to me. So you're from Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Philadelphia originally, but right, right in the heart of the city. So like, yeah, so I grew up in, you know, a, a city, very urban environments. And I was always comfortable with that, but you know, as you get older, sometimes, you know, not hearing fire engines all night every night is is a good thing. Yeah. Well, we Carol and I just went to uh, New Brunswick to visit her family after like two years of not going anywhere, right? And um, man, the pace of life out there was was so much more relaxed. I mean, you know, they still have COVID, but they've had like seven cases in the in the town wow. we were in. Wow, the whole town Period. has seven. Wow. Seven. Yeah. And they were people coming to visit, right? right. right. <laughs> Someone had to bring it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so the, the well, the whole Eastern uh, provinces, you know, have had, they, they were in their own bubble for the longest time, you know, could travel between them because they had very low case. I mean, now they're starting to see some, some cases out there, but yeah, it's like the whole attitude is completely different. Like we were actually able to go out places and we went into you know, stores and stuff like that with masks. We went and saw a movie in a theater. Wow. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> what a concept <laughs> no so yeah we went and saw free guy jonathan and i we we're actually sitting next to each other in a movie theater instead of like we do this podcast for like right in the last three years and separate like he's way over there like 50 kilometers away right so right which is 30 miles yeah, <laughs> yeah we said translate for the dumb americans yes <laughs> yeah yeah actually that was another question i was gonna ask you but i've forgotten what it is now oh well um <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. So today is the today that we're as we record. It's September fourteenth, and we just had uh, an iPhone event. Yes. Um, which I think you know, rumors and being what they are. What did, what did you think? I mean, we weren't expecting to see a Mac, you know, right. but we got the mini that we were that they were rumoring about. So, what what did you think about it? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised actually that they did the iPad this time around because that means if they are going to do a later event for the Mac, like say October or November, they said there might be a, a Mac event later on. Uh, then they'll really only have the Mac left. That's the only thing they didn't really. Well, they update. didn't do pro. They didn't do a pro iPad though. Yeah, but the pro iPad came out this year, right earlier this year. So I oh the M1, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe they would do an M1X iPad too or. M- M2, whatever they're going to call the chip. Um, but yeah, so it really left it like, oh, they might have some significant Mac news <laughs> if they're going to do that. Now, knowing our luck, maybe they'll just have a press release. But I can't I can't think that. I have to think that this next laptop is going to be more of the iMac level of redesign, uh, and therefore they're going to want to show it off. Um, you know, I think that this 16-inch and 14-inch uh, Pro level laptop is going to be 
very different from the original M1 MacBook, which is really just the Intel MacBook with different innards. Um, so uh, yeah, that part I thought was interesting. And I do love that iPad mini. I wish I had a use case for it. I've only ever owned one mini iPad. It was the very first one. I thought I'd switch to that, see how it worked with the smaller device and everything else. And I, it was one of those things where I was like attached to it emotionally, but I didn't really like it as like the smaller size was just smaller enough that I didn't find it as useful. Um, like I would think like editing my podcast on that would be a little harder right now. I have the 13 inch pro <laughs> and that's that extra space is really uh, useful. It's funny. I always want the smallest laptop possible, but the largest iPad possible. Um, well, I, yeah, I went from, I had, a, I had a couple, I had the first two minis, like, um, what I liked about them is they fit in my winter pocket, like mm-hmm. in my, you know, in my jacket. So I could basically just have an iPad mini. You're supposed to have to carry the little Merce, as my friend called it, right. uh, with, the, with the little <laughs> iPad in it. But, um, and, and I had a 12 when it first came out and, uh, I really didn't like the size. It was just too big. And, but, you know, mind you, I'm a, I'm a MacBook Air user, MacBook Pro 13 user, and they're, it's virtually the same size, the 12, right? So yep. I'm now, I'm now on an 11. I sometimes, when I'm doing drawings and stuff that I regret not having the larger iPad, but for the most part, I mean, I love it with the magic keyboard and it's small and, mm-hmm. and the pencil I'm starting to, I'm, I've been using the, the pencil to write cursively on the screen instead of typing like an animal, right? <laughs> so no, I write like an animal, but, uh, I just and I've been I've been doing 3D sculpture on the iPad, which is kind of cool. About like I, I'm as a traditional artist, you can see this Venus de Milo behind me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just printed that on my. That's from a scan of the actual uh, piece. Right? Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's got all the marks and stuff where then it's been dropped and <laughs> kicked <laughs> around and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool, but. Um, yeah, so I'm, you know, as a, as a traditional sculptor, I've always, you know, I don't have space. You need space for that kind of stuff, right? And and um, so now I, I started. I found this this app called Nomad, and it's it's very much like Blender in a sense. But you use your pencil to to draw, and you basically you build up clay with your pencil, which is really, oh, wow. really kind of cool. And you slice it and you cut it, and just like you would with traditional sculpture materials, right? So except it's in, you know, and then I can print it on my three D printer, right? So right. Yeah, wow, that's really cool though. Yeah, I I always feel, and I was the thing watching even the mini uh, demonstrations of videos that they were showing. They were showing the pilot with it strapped to his leg, and they were showing like the the person up on the roof who's working on you know this kind of AR experience thing. And I think a lot of people overlook how many really cool pro iPad apps out there that actually exist, and those are probably doing fairly well as businesses, but they're not the typical indies that we talk to at our conferences, and so people forget that those things are out there. And even like the you know the analysis of your sports swings and things of that nature uh it's it it really is remarkable how how powerful the ipad is at doing certain things where you would never take a laptop right and so yeah i i I went up back to the 12.9 whatever 13 inch uh ipad this year because of that uh liquid retina xdr display that they had and i thought that would be a significant enough difference to kind of push me over the edge i've been i've been on the 11 for a long time too i do i think i personally prefer the slightly smaller size but i I hear what you're saying like i I like it. I like the full size keyboard better on the 13. Um, and I do like, I mean, that screen is just absolutely gorgeous. So if they get that screen into the 11 next year, then it'll be yeah. something to consider for the next iPad I get whenever I get it. I think it. that's exactly the reason why. I mean, I had just bought the 2020 um, mm-hmm. iPad, whatever this is, A13 or whatever, A14. Um, and, you know, it, it's the, with the face ID, which I love, you know, anything, anything with like biometric ID, I love that kind of stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I moved away from the mini because the mini just took too long to get touch ID. Right. Right. Um, and then, um, yeah, and I've got, I've got a surface on here. So, so the pencil feels like it's got a bit of drag. So when I draw on, it, it's not plastic on glass, you know, it's, I think you studied art, right? So you probably, you know where I'm coming from, bit. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want that Conte crayon on, on, you know, what rough okay. paper kind of feel, yeah, right? Exactly. We're, not, we're not there yet, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could do that imagine. with haptics. That'd be amazing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so, yeah, and they always throw me when they, when they say iPad, like, you know, they started going on about iPad. I'm like, but it, and then they said a 13 and I'm like, wait a minute, what happened to the M1? And then, I, you know, it takes me a minute to remember, right. okay, that's the iPad Pro. Okay, Pro, right, versus Pro, right. <laughs> regular. I bought it, it did buy, I broke down a couple of months ago and bought an iPad, or um, M1 Air. And, mm-hmm. I, and so I, I'm looking at you now on my, on my 2020 iPad Pro 13, but I have an M1 Air over there, and I just go between them, and the Air is so much nicer. It never gets hot, you know. Uh, yeah. It's 
lickety split. I haven't really, you know, sort of kicked its tires too much with Exco and stuff like that. But but it's a nice machine. Like you know, even, oh yeah, yeah, know, yeah. They, okay. I was I was shocked at, at the battery life difference. Um, yeah, like, like I don't even think. I don't think about charging anymore at all. Like I can go to, you know, now that I can go to a, like an outdoor cafe in the nice summer months, uh, I could just literally sit there and work an eight hour day in Xcode and no problem. Battery's still fine. <laughs> right? yeah, that, I mean, that just, yeah, not even close to possible with my Intel, any of my Intel laptops. I always had, it was like, I got four hours tops. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find the same thing. Like, especially with this guy, if I go sit and I have a couch just over there, which is what I'm gesturing at. Right. That's where I do. That's where the money's made. <laughs> <laughs> this is my office where I'm at when I'm at work, I'm, I'm sitting here or doing a podcast. Right. But yeah, lots of fun. Um, and, but what do you think about the watch stuff and fitness plus, are you, are you into that whole world or I, I, I want to get into fitness plus. I think the meditation might help me. Um, I'm not into like you know, the, the hit stuff and dance and things of that nature. What I want to see them do. And, and I'm hopeful now because they did the uh, winter sports prep kind of workouts. I want to see them. My, like my favorite cardio is swimming. Uh, so I have a pool here and obviously you think, well, how do you do fitness plus videos for swimming? <laughs> but they could at least do uh, dry land exercises for swimmers, right? There's lots of specific cardio and weight training uh, things that are out there for swimmers that I would love to see them do. And I think that would probably be my entry point into fitness plus. I think it's a great idea. I love the idea of, of the videos out there, but, um, yeah, I just don't, I haven't really dug into them yet. Um, I'm hoping with the meditation, maybe, uh, maybe I'll try the Pilates too. Who knows? Um, but I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a cool add on. I would have gotten it anyway, cause I'm on the one subscription. Uh, so it's one of those things where I don't even think about paying for it. It just kind of is, uh, and the whole family gets it, which is great. Um, so yeah, I, I think there, there are additions to it. It's, I like that they're investing in it and you can see that already that it's taking off for them clearly. And it's going to be a huge seller of Apple watches, especially now that they're making it, you know, work out with your friend, 32 of your friends, um, kind of a thing. It's going to be a real peer pressure point for a lot of I people to get watches to Peloton and people like that. Like yeah. I, mean, I don't. It's hard to say, but Peloton doesn't, you know, they're, they're starting to discount their bikes. Uh, they're starting to like, they're starting to show signs that the competition is, is coming creeping in on them. Uh, and it's, it's classic Apple, right? I mean, they're the kind of people that can do uh, a breadth of experience that like, you know, if you're coming in at, like Sonos, uh, right. Uh, who came in and they were just going to do speakers. Right. And it's like, well, Apple can walk into this market and do home pods and then also do 10,000 other audio related things that you can't do. Uh, and that's kind of where they, you know, whenever they pick a market, you're kind of in trouble for that reason, because Apple can just, they have so many resources that they can just enter a market and they don't need the money on, on fitness plus. So they can afford to just throw money at it indefinitely. Whereas, yeah. So I think a company like Peloton is going to be in trouble uh, probably in the next couple of coming years. Well, I, I mean, like the thing with the watch is like every platform is needed a killer app of some type, right. To sort of get that market. And, and I think fit, I mean, health is one thing that they're they're focusing on with the app with the watch and now fitness by the way you can do swimming on your watch i mean my wife oh, yeah. goes to, does pilates and or not what she does aqua fit they call it i don't know what you call it in the states but hmm. you know you get in the water and you do you do a workout right and um the problem is that the so indoor swimming is doing laps Right. right. And then outdoors, and there's an outdoor open water swimming, I guess that's because I went with her one time a couple of months ago and it was just, it was brutal to work out. Right. But I wore my watch right. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, I do wear my watch when I swim. Uh, but I, I'm just thinking like for fitness plus to watch an instructor while you're swimming. With you. Oh, <laughs> when they have Apple. yeah. yeah. Maybe water, they'll have Apple with, like swim goggles. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That would be kind of cool. Camera, right. Yeah. yeah, I want them to do more swimming workouts, actually, though, because, yeah, I went snorkeling recently a couple of weeks ago. I was in Maui and, uh, you know, there, there, I did the open water swim thing, but it's still expecting you to swim out there. Like it's saying I was doing breaststroke or freestyle. I'm like, no, I was snorkeling. <laughs> like, like you, you need to find I, I would like to see them do something with that where they could say like other types of activities that are happening in the water than just traditional laps would be good. And they need a Jacques Cousteau mode or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So another thing you've uh, always talked about too is is the the mini phone. So how do you what do you how do you because you were an SE guy, right? You were waiting for the SE to come out, and so what do you think about these minis that they're doing? I love. I have my twelve mini now. I love it. Uh, I will upgrade to the thirteen mini. Uh, I kind of wish they still had a green because I'm a big green guy. Uh, but uh, I'm looking at the midnight now, which isn't quite black. It looks like a really really deep blue to me. Um, 
but and then it, you know even the you know, that kind of off white whatever they're calling starlight is interesting too um yeah i mean i, I was I, the, my biggest fear this year was that they were going to come up with a pro that was so compelling that i wouldn't want the mini anymore uh but to me uh, i've kind of felt for a long time that the camera is good enough. I like to take photographs, but uh, I'm constantly like, I'm on the new glass platform up there. You know, I don't know if you've heard of glass, this new uh, photo sharing, it's sort of like Instagram, but it's a paid subscription uh, social thing with no ads. Uh, and anyway, like it's great. Cause it's just all photographers, like real people who are taking night nice shots. It's not just people, you know, influencers. <laughs> so um, uh, ever since I joined that, I, the one comment I get constantly with my photos is, Oh my God, that's a mini. <laughs> They, they, they can't believe that the minis taking photos that are that good. And so to me, the camera is good enough and they have improved it on the, on the new one, which is great. Uh, and the pro motion thing is kind of important to me on an iPad, but I'm not so sure on my phone that it's as necessary. Uh, so I'm going to keep the, uh, I'm going to stick with the mini this time around. I, th- I feel like it's the perfect size iPhone. Uh, I really wish that it had a future. I, I do understand the rumors out there that Apple's not selling enough of them and they're going to do th- uh, the second model year because this was kind of an S year anyway. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I kind of hope it sticks around. I'm, I'm hoping against hope that maybe they'll sell more of them this year, but probably not. And I'll probably have to go back to a big phone, but I'm one of the weirdos who wants a small phone, but not, not a cheap phone. <laughs> I kind of want Yeah. I wonder if that's because we're, you know, the, all the phone companies are giving you a deal on the 12, like the 12, I want to say 12, but I mean, it'll be 13 now. Right. As, as right. we record, but like they're giving you a deal on that. Do they really give you a deal on the mini? Like, do they give you money back when you buy a mini? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it is cheaper in price slightly, but that, like I, like I said, I wouldn't matter. I wouldn't care if it was the same price. Like if I could get the pro camera into the mini, that would be my ideal iPhone. Yeah. Ideal. But, but I think uh, part of what happened with the mini, honestly, is COVID. I think that people didn't see it in their hands and everyone ordered their iPhones last year online. And so they didn't really get a sense for size and so like if if the stores had been open and people could have walked into the store and kind of handled it a little bit i think it might have made a difference there's certain apple products that you just have to have in your hand before you quite understand them and the mini is definitely one of them like as soon as i opened that thing up and i started playing with it I'm like oh this is so much better <laughs> it's just like the, obviously the right size phone for me because i don't do a lot of pro level stuff on my phone you know, i do phone stuff if i really want to do something complicated or uh, you know serious I, i'm always going to my macbook pro or my ipad yeah, I mean, I'm the same way, but I, I I love the camera on the 12 Pro. Like, I just I'm constantly yeah. shooting with it now. So, I even tried to capture a moose the other day at, at the farm, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was not to be. But um, yeah, it, it's surprising, like the what what you can do with the camera on this thing. And and you know, I, I you're right. I do know what glass. I think my friend Greg's on there. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I did take a quick peek at it. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, what else did they talk about today at the show? Um, yeah, I missed oh, the watch. Them. Yeah, oh, the watch. Yeah, the new one with the with the display that wraps around, right? Yeah, it, it, cool. that was kind of funny because a lot of the rumors had you know this watch design that was going to be a flat edge, sort of like the new iPhones, and uh, it's kind of interesting whenever whenever the rumors are that far wrong, it's always I'm like, okay, was that an, a, a deliberate leak of something, or is that a future watch that somebody misinterpreted? <laughs> There's always like the possibilities of why that information came out that was so wrong, and you show all these 3D mockups of what it might look like. Uh, but in retrospect, it does make a lot of sense. Like, yeah, they were talking about how the curvature is more flattened out, and then the bot the base of the actual screen is now rectangular, but it's, it's inside the casing. So it basically makes it more resistant to uh, cracks. Um, okay. Yeah. Not that that was a huge problem with the watch anyway, but I guess people are breaking their screen. So uh, it's also more dust resistance. Uh, so yeah, the watch, it wasn't that big an upgrade. It seems like uh, they didn't really add any new sensors to it. The new sizes are really nice though. It does seem like the screen, they barely made the watch ever so slightly like one millimeter thicker or you know, larger uh, diagonally, but it's uh, mainly in, in redu- reduction of bezels that you get the screen uh, real estate bump. So it looks nice. looks pretty compelling. Uh, I always get the titanium watch, so that's a bit of an expensive proposition. <laughs> we'll see if, uh, luckily I don't have to make that decision yet because that's going to be not coming out. Probably I'm, I'm thinking around November because right now on the website, you can't even price one out there. There's precious little detail about they have like a web page up there about the series seven but nothing on like what it would actually you know take to order one so i think when they say later this fall they mean like maybe december 20th <laughs> well, in the corner of my eye i noticed that it, you know on the edge you could see part of the display too which is why i was talking about the wraparound right so, oh right yeah yeah I, well so, i guess if, if the if the actual lcd panel 
wraps on the corner, then that, maybe that's where all those folded uh, phone rumors are going, going towards, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I think they're they're doing a lot of experimentation lately with screens. And I think a, a, an item like the watch where they sell far fewer of them, when we're talking about much smaller panels, it's easier for them to experiment a little bit than they can on something like the iPhone, which, because yeah, everyone was saying, like, I think there was a tweet already from Samsung, like, hey, we've been doing 120 hertz, you know, uh, refresh rate forever. And it's like, and Renee Ritchie was like, yeah, well, that's because you were willing to settle for a much crappier screen. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing it in much smaller volumes than Apple has to. When Apple's selling 14 million of these things in a quarter, it's like, I can't even begin to imagine the logistical nightmare it is to, to keep all those parts in, in stock, you know? Sure. Um, do you want to switch to the hot seat? You're sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll come up with all kinds of tangents. Um, yeah. And I, and I get to ask you some arty questions too, which is great. Um, so I get the first question is uh, what's your motto? Wow. This probably changes every other week. So yeah, I'd say my motto is don't stand still, you know, <laughs> uh, always be moving in, in some direction, <laughs> hopefully not backwards. Okay, cool. And uh, who are your heroes in real life? That's a great, you know, I've been trying to get away from the concept of heroes lately. I did a talk at 360 I did recently where I suggested that heroes are dangerous in real life compared to like the Marvel universe because heroes are humans and they tend to mess up. And so you end up in a situation where someone you really admired does something really stupid, which seems to be happening with increasing frequency lately. Uh, and then you end up trying to defend somebody who really shouldn't be defended. Um, and so, yeah, I, lately I've been kind of moving away from heroes per se that are actual people and moving towards more abstract ideas. Like whoever, whoever came up with the vaccine for this virus is my hero, right? Like people in a lab whose names we'll never know. Those are kinds of the kinds of people that are my heroes. Sure. Yeah. I think that, I think, I think the, yeah, I don't know if it, it's like hero in the sense of Iron Man or whatever. Right. It's just, you know, who, who, I mean, who inspires who inspires you? Inspires you, right? Yeah, I mean, it, the question was written a long time ago. Um, so, what words or phrases do you misuse regularly? <laughs> misuse regularly, literally, definitely is one of my big ones. I can't stop saying, no matter how I, much I know, literally, I'm wrong using it that way. Um, that's a good question. I think you're figuratively wrong. <laughs> That's probably my big one. I have lots of, I, I have a really, really terrible tendency towards hyperbole. I get it from my dad. Uh, so everything is like 87 million when it's really 10. <laughs> you know, like I just like to, yeah. I, I like the art of exaggeration. I'm a huge, uh, you know, Mark Twain fan. So, uh, you know, I like using those kinds of uh, literary devices, uh, understatements, things of that nature, but I use them so much in casual conversation that people often take me literally. And then, you know, think I'm just pulling numbers out of my butt when I'm like, no, I just meant that as a massive exaggeration on purpose. Okay. What's your favorite <laughs> occupation? Oh, favorite. Oh, it would be musician if I could make a living doing that. That's exactly what I would be doing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You've been doing it for a while, obviously, right? Been playing since. Yeah, I was uh, took piano lessons at like seven or eight years old. So I picked up the bass when I was eleven or twelve, and uh, yeah, so it's been quite a while playing. Uh, don't do it enough, but never enough. Especially with COVID, it's like haven't been able to play with other people much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a three hundred and sixty. I did last month. We did a uh, James Dempsey. We did a little bit uh, of a breakpoints uh jam and that worked out really well and it was it was just amazing to be back on the stage and playing in front of people again it's been too long yeah so but it was the um air what was the one your other band air supply no not air supply air <laughs> airplane mode yeah airplane, airplane mode. mode yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah we haven't played it for forever ever since i moved out here uh that would have made it hard anyway but uh you know uh, as far as i know dave is still uh, recording and writing songs and whatever but and i'll i'm more than happy to record with him whenever and whenever he comes out here to denver we could play a show or two or i go back to new york sure. whenever that yeah. becomes more possible okay who's your favorite hero of fiction ah fiction um now lately i hero, yeah yeah. <laughs> Lately, I've been thinking of one of my favorite fictional characters uh, is Yossarian from Catch-22. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I love, uh, I, I just love Joseph Heller's sense of humor and the idea, like Kurt Vonnegut was another big fan of, uh, yeah. you know, person I was a fan of. Uh, I just love the way that they can find the humor in the most absurd and most absolute dark places of humanity. Uh, and I, I've always found that character, like the, the fact that he's constantly putting these 
weird precarious positions and the way he finds his way out of it is is fascinating to me so yeah and i, I rewatched the movie uh recently a few years ago and uh alan arkin played the part so well it's just i don't know if the movies was a successful translation of the book but i did enjoy it on on last watching of it the first time i watched it, i'm like this isn't really working <laughs> they did a they did a catch 22 tv show recently too i don't know if you saw that I did not see that. Yeah, I wanted to. And I, for whatever reason, I never got around. There's way too much TV mail on these. I can never catch up to all the stuff yeah. that's out there. I don't know how you folks do it on this podcast. How <laughs> you keep up with that many shows half the time. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm still watching this one from two years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the secret is we, we, up until recently, we were actually watching the show about five minutes before we started recording. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, we record on Thursday nights, and the show comes out here in Canada on Thursday night, right, for free, right? Right. So now, now we've all switched to using Crave, so we can watch it in advance, which is HBO Max to the Americans. But Right, right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm a huge. I I learned to read by because of Kurt Vonnegut. I was in like probably second year university, and I didn't realize that I, you know, I looked at books before and I did all the assignments in class and stuff. I mean, I got 50% in an English class once hmm. um, because I just, it just wasn't something that I was really into. And um, yeah, somebody handed me breakfast of champions hmm. and it all, it just spoke to me. Right. And I learned how to let my head go and get into the book and, you know, spend, spend a lot of time, you know, with Vonnegut and that kind of stuff. It's, it's fun. It's, it's funny. It's different. I've read a couple of the books uh again recently and they just they don't seem to hit the same notes that they did when i was like 20 something right so interesting yeah that happens a lot i remember reading like john updike when i was in high school and my teacher saying you don't you're not going to get that yet like read that again when you're 40 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah like because you know it was about divorce and it was about like adult oh, themes yeah. that i like you just don't have any reference point uh for that yet and yeah i think certain ter- certain books hit you at certain times in your life but yeah no vonnegut was definitely that uh um uh, that was my entryway into wanting to read outside of school, right? Like I right. had the books I was assigned at school and then yeah. he was the first one. I'm going to read everything this guy writes. <laughs> and I would just yeah, start then, re- reading that yeah. on the side. Yeah. And I, yeah. and because I got into the sci- sci-fi stuff, I mean, Cyrus of Titan, Cyrus of Titan and um, mm-hmm. what was the other one about the Tralfamador? Uh, oh, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five. Yeah, Slaughterhouse-Five, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then that got me, that was my gateway into, into um, Heinlein and... Mm-hmm. Asimov and all that kind of stuff, you know. So I hope they don't ruin Foundation. That's all I'm worried about. You know. Yeah, only have a few weeks, right? We'll find out if they do or not. <laughs> well, they, they did a Brave New World show um, a few months ago, and or last year, I guess, and it was okay. It was very produced, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it looked nice and that kind of thing, but it, it didn't. I didn't quite get the same messages that I got when I read it. You know, it's more about you know how you could create people in a test tube and because back then that was not a possibility right today it's like i have two nephews right because of that technology right (laughs) right um but um you know and and how you could how where your how your genes are put together can create a different you know class of people right and and how that sort of broke down didn't come out in the show at all you know Mm. it was sort it was sort of like these people have privileges and those ones are just dumb like mm-hmm. that's how they kind of it didn't have the same messages to me that that, that the original book had right so it's a shame well that i'm hoping and i remember reading foundation obviously and you know the foundation all the robot series they're all different right like the you know the first ones are written in the 50s and they have a very sort of 50s sci-fi flavor to them but they're still compelling stories you know mm-hmm and uh, i'm worried that that they're going to just sort of paint it with one brush and you know <laughs> right right I, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting challenge because you want them to be, have a unified feel to them but at the same time you, yeah you want to stay faithful enough to the books i don't know yeah. yeah it's it's a really hard challenge and some books aren't meant to be filmed on you know <laughs> like a lot of well, people complain complain about the lord of the rings films and i'm like they're about as good as you can make if you ignore the fact that if you filmed the book it would be a really really boring it'd be like film. a year long yeah. <laughs> yeah. it'd just be people walking around the forest most of the exactly. time most of, you know yeah. like that's really compelling when you're reading it but it doesn't you know visually it doesn't work you know uh and so you know entire battles that took place in one paragraph end up being a half hour of the movie um yeah it's just it's just a translation is always going to be a translation but yeah, yeah it's it'll be interesting to see i i'm hopeful because apple tv plus has come out of the gate with i think they've done better than most people expected with their early crop of shows so uh hopefully this one will be a, a star we'll see cool what's your most prized possession 
Oh, uh, that's easy. It's over here on my side. It's a base uh, that was made for me by a guy named Dale Bluebond, who is a luthier in Philadelphia. Um, and it, it was like, a, you know, I was a bass player from an early age and I had my little starter basses, you know, and I always played left-handed upside down, kind of goofy with my strings backwards. Uh, and my brother met this guy who was, you know, he was he had a repair shop above a cleaner's, his father's cleaner store. Uh, and he would make custom bases for people as well. And he made most of his money on repairs and he would basically make these bases out of love and not charge all that much, but they were the most amazing pieces of wood craftsmanship you could possibly imagine. Uh, and so I started having hanging out at his shop, I would just show up in there and be like, Hey, that's cool. Let me play your bass. You know? And he, he was fascinated with the way I played and he, he'd hear me play. Cause I could just pick up his right-handed basses and play them upside down. <laughs> and you know, one day he was, he said, you know, when are you going to make a bass for me? You know, when am I going to make one for you? You know? And I said, well, how much would that cost? And we went back and forth and he like basically made it at cost for him, you know, he, cause he just wanted to see me have one. Uh, and so uh, while he was making that uh, bass just before he finished it, uh, he and his wife were driving uh, on a road in the evening in Philadelphia. It's a particularly windy road called the West River Drive. And uh, they got a drunk driver, came and hit them, killed them both. And so this is the last base he ever made, basically. He wasn't quite finished it. His, his uh, apprentice just did the uh, the lacquer on it and put the electronics on it for me. Uh, and so it's been in my possession ever since then. That was 20 plus years ago. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's, that's the thing that uh, if I'm going to run into the building for anything other than the cat and, you know, people <laughs> that I would, I would run in the burning building for this thing. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. I should ask that. I should change the question to what would you run into a burning building? Again? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you play like you're like McCartney, you play backwards. Like you play, you pull with your right, you fret with your right hand and you pluck with your left is that pluck with my left yeah and my strings are backwards too so, so the, the e, low e's on the bottom on the bottom yeah really wow yeah so it, it's nice because i can You're pick like up hendrix, someone the hendrix yeah. bass yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a few people that play like that um it's it just comes from ignorance like when i first picked up a bass for the first time i just flipped the right hand one upside down and i just assumed that's how it was done uh i didn't realize the strings were going to be the other way uh, and then by the time I got my first left-handed bass, they were like, oh, you're playing this backwards. And I said, well, can you fix the strings for me? Because <laughs> I'd much rather keep playing this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it just stuck. And, and uh, so, yeah, this one was made for me that way. Uh, and anytime I buy a store-bought bass, I buy a left-handed one, and then I have to have them make a new nut for me to flip it backwards. I was going to say, yeah, because the, the tension on the strings is different, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you just get a, a, you know, a different nut made, and it works out. But it's nice too, because like acoustic guitars, I just flip them upside down. It's no big deal. I just play a right-handed, right-handed acoustic. So as long as it doesn't have a cutaway, that's cool. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, ha- I finally got a wreck myself. Um, oh, love those things. But uh, I was, I saw, I, I, yeah, I, there's an amazing story about the Paul McCartney Reckenbacher. I don't know if you know it, but uh, and because you think of the influence the Beatles had at the time, right? Which was nothing. <laughs> he like there's a there's a McCartney issue uh, Reckenbacher. You can get you know right-handed. Um, but the headstock's upside down because <laughs> McCartney, if you look at his his bass in, in the Beatles, right? Rickenbacker wouldn't make him a bass with, they wouldn't make him a, a, a flipped headstock. Huh. So he's got a left-handed headstock or right-handed headstock on a left-handed, left-handed bass. bass. <laughs> so it's like, it's like you, he's playing it upside down. Kind of <laughs> that's so funny that they wouldn't do that for him yeah hey, who are you yeah <laughs> paul, paul who <laughs> yeah now they'd be falling over anybody you know, like well, to, so, to make that so what's cool is is now you can there was a reissue right so i can buy it for the right hand so i'm playing it right-handed like normal but right. the headstock's flipped backwards right to match mccartney's right that <laughs> makes sense yeah ironically right now they'll do it <laughs> you know and i should have bought that base it's one of those you know my wife and i have a rule if you see it and you and it says take me i'm yours mm. buy it because the minute you walk out of that store you'll never see it again you know that's right that's so right we, so we started doing that, which is how I ended up with this base. I went into, we have a store here called 12th Fret, which is like sales consignment uh, gear and new gear and all that kind of stuff. And it's all the top stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked in one day and there was a Rickenbacker base and I sent her a text message saying, hey, I found a Rick. And she says, how much is it? And I went, told her how much it was. She says, well, you have a birthday coming. <laughs> Perfect. You know, <laughs> sold. sold. No That's Christmas, real- no birthday for me this year. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, finally got a Rick. Um, but I'm I'm not I'm a, a hobbyist bass player. I'm not a guitarist, but mm-hmm. yeah, so lots of fun. And I've been wrestling with the idea of how to do virtual COVID 
um, playing. Like I went and bought a, a set of drums, or like, a, like a rolling set of drums, so I could learn. I've been learning how to play drums because my drummers are all you know locked away, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's not to me. When I first moved from Philly to California, I had suddenly had no one to play with, and so I did the same thing. I got like you know all kinds of plugins, and I, I bought my first guitar. Then mm-hmm. actually learned how to play chords properly, and like I just had to record by myself, you know, and just did whatever I could. And uh, luckily, I had a brother who was a drummer, so I I kind of watched him and kind of knew the basics of drumming. So I I, I found some college kid had a, a rolling kit, you know, a cheap little electric pad kit, and I just bought that and started playing it. Yeah, yeah. drumming is amazing for letting out your frustrations. If yeah, I don't understand why drummers are angry, like <laughs> they're they're always coming up. Like if I could beat things all day <laughs> for a living, then the rest of my day would be pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it is a full body workout too. I mean, like yeah. like it's it's interesting to sort of learn how to play i mean i can basically do you know standard four and four uh, four on the floor bath pattern but that's about as far as i've gotten really mm-hmm. you know um let's see what can i ask you now um you already done that. yeah oh, i want to ask you one question that comes over from from the other podcast um because as a as somebody who studied art and like myself you probably appreciate where this question comes from mm-hmm. and the question in on the show is form or function but the real meaning is, and you and I both know that form follows function, function. according to Mies van der Rohe. So what do you, what's your answer to the form and function question? Yeah, well, you can't have one without the other, right? <laughs> so it really is uh, making sure they're serving each other. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the biggest challenges of design, really. I think a lot of people, I, I, I keep as someone who worked as a designer for many years before I started coding now, whenever a designer hands me something, I always have my way of looking at it, which is like, well, all right, where's the mock-up with the, you know, the, the, the body font size at 24 point, you know, what, what's going to happen to this design when we set this accessibility, uh, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, or how does this serve the, you know, like you made me a pretty picture, right? And I think it's still way too much. Uh, there, there's way too much of that going on in the design world. Uh, people who are making pretty pictures instead of saying like, "Did you read the Hig at all?" Did you, you know, I don't care if it's if it's like Kotlin or whatever whatever platform you're on. Like, yeah. read the interface guidelines and like you're you're drawing a uh, you know you want this perfect pixel perfect mockup and you're drawing me a nav bar that's five pixels taller than the actual iPhone's nav bar. It's like that that, that is. Do you want me to build this in this crazy custom way? I'd have to do it. Or can I just use, you know, uh, and so, yeah, it's funny. Like, I really feel like not enough designers think enough about the function of what the programmer has to do in, to, in order to implement that thing. Right. And so, yeah, when you're, when you're thinking of a design party, party, you wants to say, go nuts and open your mind and be free. Uh, you know, it was that, that old quote by Kurt Vonnegut. He said, you know, of course, science fiction authors come up with the, the most incredible ideas because they don't, they don't have to worry about the science part. They don't have to worry right. about it actually working. You know, right. like Jules Verne could write about a submarine before it was ever invented because he just thought boat underwater. Uh, he didn't have to solve that problem. But I do think there's benefit, especially when you're making products and when you're making things that are actually out there in the real world for actual people to use, then that has to be a consideration. You're not making art anymore. You're making something to be used by a human uh and so yeah i I think you can't you can't concentrate on either one of them too much you have to always let one uh complement the other if you will so as as a somebody who's come into development as well um you've been through the sort of auto layout nightmares that we had for several (laughs) years till they finally figured it out and then as soon as they figure it out and they've got it down down to a science they come out with swift ui um, what do you think about SwiftUI and its sort of promise of like an, a device agnostic language? Yeah, I think that is the right direction. I think we're still years away from it being the practical reality. Uh, it's sort of like when I, I started learning code like two years before Swift happened. And I'm so glad that I still know Objective-C because it still comes up. And so I'm glad that I learned, <laughs> you know, how to do uh, auto layout code before SwiftUI came around because that's going to come in handy for many more years. There's no, you know, you can't build a full app without jumping down into a, a, a different framework at some point still. Uh, but having said that, I love the idea of SwiftUI. I love the idea of separating, you know, it's the old CSS HTML idea where it's like how it looks should be separate from how it, <laughs> you know, functions. Uh, and so... I like that in theory. I like that you're basically building smaller files 
constantly you're building a single view and, and keeping that in its own place. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, there's still too many places, especially in the contract work that I'm doing, uh, where I can't use, I, you know, I'm, I'm stuck on iOS 13. And so it's like, well, 13 can use some Swift UI, but not all of it. And so it's this constant battle. Uh, I will be happy when I can build an entire app that just works on all of Apple's platforms in Swift UI. Like I could see where they're headed with it, uh, but I think we're still a long ways before it gets there. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's sort of like, um, you know, I've always joked about the fact that Photoshop or Adobe is going to come out with iPhone Creator 1.0, you know, sort of thing. Like, like we, like you've probably been around long enough to know that some of the stuff you do in Photoshop, you had to do with like three applications in the past, you know, or 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 with lots of bailing wire and ju- and ju- jury rigging, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's it's interesting, like to to sort of see, uh, you know, that you can you can take the same chunk of code and put it out on an iPhone or an Apple TV or a watch or a Mac, you know, maybe just add the menu and the Mac and that kind of stuff for some of those paradigms. But it's, I think it's interesting that you can have one sort of design idea, right? I mean, because like you mentioned Pixel Perfect before, and, and that's always been a nightmare in just in any kind of coding, whether it's uh, web or, or mobile. But I mean, the idea of that's where I think the logo should go and that's where I say it should go and it has to go there. And you can imagine all these crazy art directors we dealt with in the past, right? <laughs> but I'm the yeah. art director, you know? That's right. I say it's 16 point type. I'm like, yeah, but if we just use 17, that would save me hours. Because <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that's the or standard. Nobody's going to be able to read your eight point type right. on this phone, right? <laughs> exactly. Especially in, with accessibility, right? So, yeah. In dark gray on light gray background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of if you're, you've seen the Monty Python sketch, Michelangelo's Last Supper. Oh, I don't know. I probably have. Yeah, remind me. I may have. John Cleese is the Pope, and Eric calls in Michelangelo to talk about this Sistine or this Last Supper that he's created, right? Right. And he's like, you know, he's questioning him, like, why are there three Christs? (laughs) (laughs) It works, man. (laughs) (laughs) And lose the donkey, right? And then That's he's like, great. well, maybe this, you know, and there was only 12 apostles. You've got like 30 people in this thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's oh, like, you great. know, he's like, look, I want, you know, I want one Christ and 12 apostles by Thursday next or you don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is so classic. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. one. I'm going to have to go look that one up. I, I have like the box set of Monty Python somewhere. I got to go back and, and find that one because I don't, I don't remember that one. Yeah, I think it's a live one. It's one of the ones they did. Oh, okay. Live. And then at the end of it, he says, you know, I may not know, know much about art, but I know what I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, I think we can wrap it up here. Um, so if uh, people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? And sure, can you, you tell us what you're working on? next yeah uh well i just i put out a quick version of my caffeine tracker recap recently uh and that is a just a little app on the app store that i have out there um hopefully going to do some more ios 15 stuff with it soon i didn't have a chance to work on it too much in the summer but that'll be out there uh release notes happens every monday and you can find that at release notes.tv you can find me at joc.design uh at jhplinsky on twitter and then i'll spell that for you c-i-e-p-l-i-n-s-k-i uh joc on micro.blog and, and that kind of stuff uh, glass and places like that uh yeah i couldn't get joc on twitter i joined too late uh and that's about it i think yeah, I was too dumb. I should have. I could have probably got Tim or Tim M or something like that. But I just went with my name and then realized, oh well, I could have done something clever. But what are you going to do anyway? So that being said, I'm Tim Mitra, T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machines, where you'll find me. And before we go, I'm just going to ask people to click right about here to to subscribe for this video. Um, yeah, because you know I'm trying to trying to get the audience pick up, up. Apparently, I found out I have to have a thousand people following the show just subscribing before they'll let me put the, the MTJC merch on the page, right? Wow. So I'm, I'm looking at all these other guys. Well, how come they've got merch on their pages? And that's why. That's how. Okay. But, uh, apparently, there's some sort of... I'm, I'm going to investigate. There's some sort of divide between Redbubble and, and Teespring in terms of Teespring seems to be moving more towards they want to deal with the big players. Mm-hmm. That's the rumor. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah. That mm-hmm. being said, Mike's going to do the... Uh, this is me queuing Mike. He's going to do the uh, the uh, voiceover, and uh, we'll say thanks for being on the show. Oh, and we'll get your your fifth uh, MC JC uh, MTJC jacket to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, cool. All right, thanks, Joe. Yeah, anytime. 
This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC, and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Anyway, cool. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for awesome. being on the show again. Are yeah, you going to do, are you recording time. with the break notes again for this next thing that James is doing? Oh, uh, what's he doing? Oh, is he's doing some new songs or whatever, right? Um, he asked, he said, he, well, he has a studio bass player. He's usually, he's on his album or whatever. Oh, okay, right. And, uh, he said like, he's got first dibs, obviously he said, but he hasn't been getting back to me. He said, if, if I'm in a pinch and I need a bass player, you want, would you record with me? I said, absolutely. I said, but I understand, you know, go with, go with who you're familiar with and you're, you're a longtime player. Uh, but if that guy refuses, then yeah, I guess I'm, I'm next on deck. So I would like to do that because I had a blast. We're all, we're all right now. Just, we got the song and we're, we're it's all of us conditional breakpoints i call this right <laughs> right um, we're uh, we're just doing a recording right now so yeah uh, after after like tonight after we get off the, the call here i'm probably going to do my tracks and oh, very send cool. them in. cool oh enjoy that yeah already and uh thanks again for being on the show we'll talk to you later anytime all right okay. bye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.